Hi guys, Russell here. Uh, slightly different topic uh, to recent stuff. I'll get back to looking at semiconductors in more detail. But one of the things I find really interesting is that a strong stock market is no longer a guarantee for political success or popularity. Uh, it used to be a surefire sign of political success, particularly in the US, but no longer. So why is that? Uh, and let's, let's just point out how that's come out. Now, you know, one of the reasons we have like an independent central bank was that back in the 70s, uh, you know, particularly with Nixon, the Fed came under a lot of pressure to cut rates, uh, sort of juice the economy and make sure unemployment was low. And this was seen as one of the causes for the this sort of surge in inflation in the 70s. So we decided to make independent central banks so that politicians couldn't goose the economy to get reelected. Um but even though you had independent central banks, governments would still go, do, go out of their way to try and make sure uh, the stock market and the economy was doing well in the election year. And that led to this sort of thing where you, you'd invest in election years because you knew the stock market would do well. Um, and what we saw under like the first Trump administration was despite you know, tariffs and rockets and you know, blowing up China and building walls, you'd always be talking about how well the stock market was doing how much money everyone was making. Um, and he was very, you know, he, he, was a, he was a big part of his sort of re-election campaign. Now, the weird thing is, uh, and admittedly, there was a COVID pandemic going on as well. Uh, the stock market did phenomenally well under Trump in the first administration, and yet he lost his re-election bid. Uh, you know, even if you think it was stolen, and you'd be demented if you do think that, but even if you do think that, uh, it was much closer than it should have been given uh, how well the stock market was doing. You know, and so you go, okay, interesting. Now, of course, the pandemic was there, so maybe that doesn't mean anything. But when we look at Biden, President Biden, now his stock market has been far more volatile under Biden, but nevertheless, we're back at new all-time highs. Um, and he is also facing a tough re-election bid. Uh, I mean, if the Republicans have been smart enough to choose someone other than Trump, They'd probably be romping in, uh, but the Republicans, in their wisdom, have decided to go with a known loser. That's their, that's their choice. Um, but there you go. And so, you know, but again, with the stock market all-time highs, Biden looks like he's going to face a difficult re-election bid. Now, you compare this to previous uh, uh, presidents who faced re-election. Now, George Trump Sr., who, for me, was a pretty good president, I think, uh, lost his re-election bid with uh, unemployment at 7%. And that's despite winning the first Gulf War, decisively winning it. Uh, with unemployment at 7%, he was out. Uh, George Bush Jr., uh, a far less accomplished politician in my view, uh, won re-election with unemployment at 5.5. And Obama won election with 7%, 7% but falling from the very big highs of the GFC. So generally, low or falling unemployment seems a good thing. Now, we look at Biden and Trump, you know, and they are going into their re-election uh, campaigns, uh, both of them at sub 4%, and neither of them looking like it's going to be an easy cakewalk. Um, you know, and so it's like, well, what's going on? And this disconnect is not just in the US, it's also in the UK. Uh, if we look at UK unemployment, it's the lowest level since the 70s. You know, the best employment numbers you've, anyone has ever seen. And yet the Tories are heading for, I think, electoral Armageddon. I think Rishi Snack is probably the worst prime minister I've ever seen. 
probably worse than trust in some ways. At least trust had some idea of what they were doing. I don't understand why Rishi Snack is prime minister. It, it doesn't seem any point to it. But anyway, uh, the Tories are heading for financial uh, political Armageddon. Even in Japan, uh, well, the LDP has pretty much ruled Japan nonstop. Now, back in the go-go years of the 70s, 80s, they won very easily, won re-election very easily, never faced any sort of electoral problems. And then, of course, during the long stagnation period that followed the bubble economy, they did face some electoral pressure from time to time, but not very often. Now, here, uh, the Nikkei is threatening to break to new all-time highs. And we look at unemployment in Japan, the lowest since... Unemployment is at the lowest level since the bubble economy burst. And yet uh, the current Prime Minister, Fumio Kishida, faces severe political problems because he is so unpopular. Okay, so, you know, the whole stock market doing well, I'm going to get re-elected is not working for politicians. And the only thing that's consistent about politicians is they want to stay in power. They want to be re-elected. They want to be popular. So if the stock market doing well is not leading to them getting re-elected, you have to worry, wonder... Uh, what policies do get people re-elected, and those are the ones that are likely to get implemented. So are there any popular politicians around the world? Modi in India is one option. I must say I hesitate to suggest that the policies of Modi could easily be applied elsewhere. Uh, There's some very peculiar uh, features to the Indian political uh, system that I don't think really apply elsewhere. Another option I think is interesting, though, is Mexico. Uh, So President Obrador, Obrador, who was seen as a real left-wing crank not that long ago, uh, is likely to leave Mexico as the most popular Mexican president ever. Um, And as I mentioned in the previous post, one of the things he's done really well is to raise real wages in Mexico substantially. Uh, So not just nominal wages, but real wages have grown. So the average you know, worker in Mexico is feeling much, much more wealthy. Um, now, coincidentally or not, Mexico has done a really good job in regulating American Mobilis, which was like the dominant mobile company, telephone company in Mexico, uh, and which was the source of uh, Mexico's wealthiest, wealthiest man, Carlos Slim. So what I'm trying to say is, if you look at Mexico, you see uh, a government that's raised real wages well, not necessarily destroying the richest man in Mexico, but sort of keeping his uh, wealth under control. And we probably see similar things in, in China, but we can't easily measure the popularity or lack or thereof of the Chinese Communist Party. But in Mexico, we can. And what we can see is uh, Mexican voters love it. They love it. Um, so let's take a look at that. We'll look at US data. So this is from FRED, which is the Fed's economic service. And this is real wages. Uh, and what you can see is real wages in the States basically went nowhere from 1980 through the 2000s. Last 10 years, they've started to increase a bit better, a bit more uh, in line with what I think we should be seeing. But, you know, uh, maybe 20%, not that much. Now we'll look at the real return of the S&P, which is taking the CPI index, uh, S&P 500 and divided by the CPI index. And what we can see is, uh, you know, the stock market used to, you know, uh, when you divide by CPI, you know, is at all-time highs. This is sort of the real return to capital, if you like. Um, So, you know, if I was a worker in the States and looking at the way pricing grew, wage increases I'm getting, 
And then looking at what the S&P is doing, I'm going, well, hang on a second. What's going on here? And, you know, okay, yeah, I've got a job, but, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting a fair share of this pie here. It's going somewhere else. Um, and so and you may have a problem with this. You personally think, oh, no, uh, Mark Zuckerberg is worth all that money he, he's got. And the same with Google guys or Musk or whatever. I don't disagree with that. All I'm saying to you is that the policies that promote uh, the wealth gain wealthier no longer are going to win you elections. Your policies that will win elections are ones that redistribute the wealth much more widely among working people. Mexico has successfully showed that. I think we're seeing it a little bit in other places. Korea is another place that's interesting, again, trickier one. But, you know, focusing on boosting real wages and redistributing wealth more widely, for me, looks like an, a successful electoral strategy. Uh, the question, particularly in the U.S., is, is there a politician able to break uh, the concentration of power uh, that U.S. corporates have in almost, you know, in so many different areas? You know, I've always been amazed at how well U.S. corporates have been able to control uh, government regulation to their own benefit. And you can see that now in the stock market. You can see that in the very wide uh, fiscal deficits that, you know, the power of corporates in the States is, is phenomenal. And the question is, whichever party is able to take that on uh, is, uh, and, and prove it to voters, I think, is going to do, do well. So who is going to be able to grasp that nettle first is the real question I'm wondering. Anyway, just some observations. I think they're interesting. They fit in with my bigger view of what's happening in the world. Uh, I'll write about more stuff like semis in particular soon. I uh, hope that's interesting. Stay safe. We'll talk again soon. Ciao.